0: Thank you for joining us today. The following is a message from North Place Church. Our hope is that it will inspire you, uplift you, and bring you closer to Christ. If you would like to visit the video of this message, visit our website at northplacechurch.com watch. I want to share with you this morning a, a word around something that I think we miss out on. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I hate missing out on anything. Have you guys heard of the word FOMO? Okay, it, it, it's, it's, it's one of those new words that we use. In, it's fear of missing out. Okay, so I've got serious FOMO. Okay, I, I hate missing out. I hate missing out on anything. I, I especially hate missing out on something that God has for me that I'm not tapping into. If there's there's more to this life than what I'm living in, I, I, I don't want to miss out on that. And I want to speak to you guys this morning about something that I believe society today is missing out on more than anything else, and it is the power of others. See, there is power in others, and the reality is we miss out on the power of others. More often than not, this society that is so wrapped up in itself, that is so concerned, with, so concerned with being independent, this society misses out on the power of others, the power that lies in our connection, the, the monument of our society. I don't know if you guys know that the Oxford uh, University, every, every year they bring out a word of the year. Now, the word of the year a couple of years ago was a word that really is a monument of our time, and the word was the word selfie, okay? Because a selfie, is something that that that's unique to our time. I mean, 30 years ago, if somebody had a camera and most of the time they took pictures of themselves with it, we would call them weird, okay? Today we just call them normal because they've got a cell phone, okay? So, I mean, cell phones are designed about uh, around their ability to take selfies, okay? And we're all sitting I mean, it's nothing strange to see somebody sitting in a restaurant pulling all kinds of faces. In an effort to get the perfect shot, we live in a society that's all about the selfie. We live in a society that's all about my own actualization, my own success, my own direction, my own abilities, and my own independence. We live in a society that is all about self and we miss out on the power of others. Don't you miss the good old days? When uh, our biggest complaint in in the good old days was we complained that people were no longer sitting around a dinner table having dinner together, but the family was sitting together around a television set. I mean, these days we just wish we could get two people in the family to watch the same thing. Everybody's watching their own thing on their own little screen. I mean, it'll be an upgrade to have everybody sitting in front of the television watching the same thing. The reality is that our society has become all individualized. individualized. It's all about the me. It's all about what I want to watch, when I want to watch it, the way I want to watch it. And we're no longer tapping into the power of others to the power of connection between one another. Music is a great example. I I, I remember frustrations in the family because we didn't want to listen to what was on the radio and we couldn't decide on a radio station. These days we don't have that problem because music is no longer something we do together. I remember the good old days. Well, way, way, way back before the good old days that I would remember. Music was something that you did together in a group. If you wanted to listen to music, you would have to bring together different people playing different instruments, and then you could have, you could make music together. Then we figured out how to record music, and a family would sit together around some form of instrument and listen to the music together. A little later, and this some of us will remember, is you got the boombox, okay, And, and, and I mean that was exciting times, okay, because now you could make the whole neighborhood listen to your music. I mean, it was a social thing. And then music became personal, and we all put it in our ears and we listen to whatever we want, whenever we want, all by ourselves. And suddenly the family's driving down the road, and nobody's complaining about what's on the radio because nobody's listening to the radio. Everybody's got their own music in their own ears. And as a society, we're missing out on the power of others. I love the Bible, and I love how you can read the Bible over and over and over again, and every time discover something new. But within the first couple of chapters of Genesis, God writes down a poem. He he brings about this poem around what what, he's, what is what he sees as good. Okay, and, and and what is great about the poem in the in the first couple of chapters of Genesis is that when you read those couple of chapters, it there's a pattern that emerges from what, Jesus, what God writes down. Okay, so, so the pattern goes like this. God is creating in Genesis chapter 1, and he starts off by creating light. And he says, and God created the light, and he says, when he looked at the light, it was good. Then God creates sky, and he says, when he looked at the sky, he says that it was good. He creates land and seas. Once again, God says that it was good. Plants, good. Sun, moon, stars, good. Animals, good good man good and then it says and God looked at all that he has made and he said that it was very good but then we're running to Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 and it says and the Lord God said it is not good do you see the contrast suddenly something is not good this is a big deal for God for a whole chapter he made it and it was good and he made this and he was good he made that and it was good and suddenly it's not good what isn't good well, he said that it is not good that man should be alone. Now, just as a side note, are there any single people in the house? Come on. He might notice you today, so better put up the hand high, okay? So, so all the single people, I just gave you a fantastic pickup line. I'm in for crying out loud. Look at this verse. You walk up to her, and you say, listen, I just want to tell you that the Lord said that it's not good for you to be alone, and I'm here to help you. Oh, that, that was for free. That has nothing to do with what I want to say today. But The fact of the matter is that God says that it's not good for us to be alone. We have been created to live in the power of others. We have been created to live in the power of community. In fact, Jesus goes as far as to say that it is in our community, it's in our togetherness that he gets displayed. I mean, John chapter 17, he makes this statement. He says that they will know that you are mine because of the love that you have for one another. Our connection to one another displays Christ on the earth. We have been made to show Him. We have been made to to display Him on the planet. But what displays Him is our connection to one another. It's our togetherness that brings him about. It's our togetherness that shows him to the world around us. The devil knows that he can't stop the church. And the fact of the matter is that he cannot stop the church. Why? Because Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We are part of his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. The devil cannot stop the church. But he can stop the church from being church. All he needs to do is he needs to keep us all on our own station, disconnected from one another. And when we aren't connected, we can't be who we're supposed to be. A a, a scripture that explains it wonderfully is in Ephesians chapter 4, and, and, and I want to ask you to read with me here. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, and this is what it says. It says, um, the couple of verses preceding this is where it says, Jesus ascended on high, he gave gifts to men, apostles, prophets, pastors, the whole deal. And then he says this, he says, till we all come to the unity of the faith, And the knowledge of the Son of God, to the perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay, you've got to see that, chapter 13, okay? So this is Paul being Paul and getting all poetic on us. But basically what he's saying is he says, till we all grow up to look like Jesus, okay? Till the church looks like the fullness of what Christ is. Then he says, then we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by trickery of men, and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, Okay, he goes on, he says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is head Christ. We'll, so You see the picture? He's speaking about the church growing up into the fullness of Christ and this whole world seeing Jesus for who he is. Do you know that Jesus is as present today on planet earth as he was when he was walking these shores He's as present today. Why? Because his body is still around, and it is called the church. And the church grows up into the fullness of who he is. But now listen to verse 16. It says, from whom the whole body body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effect of working, by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself and love. See, here's the thing. is the body of Christ grows up into the fullness of Christ by what every joint supplies, you're a joint in the body of Christ. You're a part, that, and as every part does its share, it grows. Within your physical bones, there's something called a growth plate. I don't know if you've ever heard of a, a growth plate. But basically, growth plates are the end, at the end of your bones, in every joint, there is a growth plate. And it's that little bit of bone, that plate of bone, that causes the bone to be able to grow. When you break your bone through the growth plate, that bone cannot grow any further. And the problem is that oftentimes in the church, this is the problem. The joints have stopped supplying the link to the next joint. And as individualized as we live in this world, As separated and as lonely, as and every man for himself, as we do life, we end up doing church. And when the church does that, the church stops growing, the church stops displaying, the church stops being who we've been made to be. And then we don't live in the power of others. We don't live in the power of body, and this society doesn't see Christ for who He is because the church isn't being church because of joints not supplying, because of people not connecting in to the community of the church. Now, I know you're sitting here today, and you're probably thinking, Yuri, we, we know that. We know that we're supposed to be connected. We, we know that we're supposed to be one connected to the other. I, I know that I need to be part of the body of Christ. But most of us, if we think about it, we're struggling with that. It's difficult today to, to, to be connected, and, and maybe you've tried to connect, but it just didn't work out. You, you just couldn't find that place where you could fit in to the, to the body of Christ, or maybe maybe you've been hurt. You've, you've tried, and you've gotten hurt. Maybe you've tested it, and it, it just didn't work out as you hoped it would. Maybe you're sitting here today, and you're saying, Yuri, I'm, I'm all by myself, not only in church. I'm all by myself in life. I've tried and failed. I'm just, I'm just not connected as I want to be. You see, there's, there's, there's something you've got to understand about others. You've got to understand that when it comes to others in life, others will be the greatest, your greatest joy in life, the greatest fulfillment that you'll ever experience in life has to do with others. I don't know if you've noticed that, but it's, it, it's true. Joy and fullness of life has to do with others in your life. I, I, I mean, there's, there's no moment that defines the, the, the joy in my life more than that moment when time stood still and the angels sang as I beheld the face of my wife and I could see the unborn children in her eyes. I mean that moment just just changed everything. That that moment when when my wife came walking down the aisle. By the way, as a pastor, I get to do a lot of weddings. It is great, but I miss the best part. The best part of a of a of a marriage ceremony. Is not the, the bride coming in through the doors. That's majestic. That's amazing. But, but the best part is the part that everybody misses because we're all watching that way as the doors open up and the bride comes in in all her glory. And the best part of all that is the face of the bridegroom. Do yourself a favor and turn around and watch that face. He knows that his whole life is about to change. In a good way, I mean that, of course. Others change your life forever. That that moment when I when I held that little bundle of us in my arms as I as as I held my firstborn son, I knew my life would never be the same again. Others are the greatest joy and fulfillment in our lives. But others also represent our biggest hurt and heartache. And if we were able for a moment to make every person's hurt and heartache and brokenness appear above their heads in a little bubble like an app, the reality is that as we look around the room, most of the hurt and heartache and brokenness in the room will be represented by others, what others didn't do, what others promised and didn't deliver on, what others failed to to come through with. See, people represent the greatest joy and the greatest heartache in every individual life. Others represent our biggest heartache and our biggest brokenness. And that's often why we struggle to connect. Because our struggle to connect is, is rooted in, in, in some of our history. And, and now we try, but we fail. It's, it's, we, we're just so busy sometimes. There's just so many others in our lives, so many people asking for your time, so many clients that want to spend time with you, so, so many things. You've got to juggle the wife and the kids and the, and the work and, and everything else, and there's no time for yourself. And, and, and here comes some crazy South African with a very strange accent, and he tells you that you've got to also be connected in church. And you're going, I don't have time for all of this, I, I don't have space for another connection. I don't have capacity for more. We all struggle with this. There's a, there's a lawyer that struggled with this. He, he, he ran out of the ability to love more people. Okay, and, 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 and this lawyer comes to Jesus, and he speaks to Jesus in Luke chapter 10. And, and, and here's the question that he asks him in verse 25. He says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him. Okay, So he's, he, he's testing Jesus. He wants to try a theory with Jesus. He says, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, you've got to understand that this isn't any normal lawyer, okay? So, so this is not a lawyer like we know lawyers today that studies the law of the country. This was a Jewish lawyer, okay? So, so the Jewish lawyers studied the Word, okay? They studied the Old Testament. That's what they studied. And, um, and when he came and he tested Jesus, he was testing Jesus on the religious law of the Jews. And the outcome of that law, the, the, the end game of the law was eternal life. So when he says, what must I do to get eternal life, he's asking Jesus, what's the end game? What's the goal? What's the purpose of all of this? And then Jesus answers him, and and he answers his question with a question, and he says, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, it's interesting, and, and, and you might miss it in the Scripture, but essentially, he's repeating to Jesus the three connections that we need to make in life in order to be successful in life, okay? So he says the first connection is you've got to make a connection with God. You've got to love your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, okay? So there's a, there's a connection with God. But then he mentions two more connections. He says you must love your neighbor as yourself. The second connection that we need to make in life is we've got to make a connection with ourselves, We've got to appropriate the love of God for ourselves if we are to love our neighbors because you can only love your neighbor as you love yourself. And it's only once you find yourself in the love of God that you you can effectively love others around you. And maybe that is the answer to some of our struggle in connection in life. Maybe that is why some of us are struggling to make a connection in life, to live in the power of others. Because we haven't discovered the power that lies in us being loved by God. If you don't see yourself as loved and cherished by God, there is no way that you can love others because you can only love others to the extent that you love yourself. Connected to God, connected to ourselves, and connected to others. The lawyer gets it. In fact, Jesus says that just the very next verse. Jesus answers, and he said, says, well, in verse 28, he says, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. You've got it. That is the answer. But then the lawyer goes on, and he says, But he, wanting to justify himself, say to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? He, wanting to justify himself, say to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Now, now you've, got to, you've got to understand yeah. He, he came, he asked the question. Jesus answered the question with a question. He gave the answer. Jesus says, right answer. But the lawyer isn't done yet. Why is the lawyer not done yet? Because the lawyer knew the answer before he asked the question, but the answer didn't work for him. Have you ever been there? You know what is right, but what is right isn't working for you. I think when it comes to the power of others, we're often there. We know it is right. We know God wants us to connect. We know we're supposed to be a part of the body. We know that whole deal of we're different parts of one body and the body, you know, displays Christ on the earth. We know that. But that doesn't change the fact that we've got busy lives, that, we've got, that we're struggling to connect, that, we, that, that we're struggling to keep everything balanced, that we've got to do in our own lives, let alone be connected to the body of Christ. We know the answer, but the answer isn't working for us. So what does this lawyer do? He comes back to Jesus. He says, well, Jesus, I kind of knew that before I asked the question, but who is my neighbor? I, I don't have space for more people in my life. I, I, you know, just, just, I just want to be justified that I only love some, and, and, and you know what? I'm, I'm really just trying to connect to my family and, 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 and you know, the, this relationship with my wife. That takes a lot of time. She has a lot of words, Jesus, this takes a lot, This is what I can do. I've, I've got no more capacity. I can go no further. Jesus is about to tell him the story. You know the story. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. Have you heard the story of the Good Samaritan? Okay, you know the story. But I've got to warn you about the story of the Good Samaritan. Okay, this is my warning. Okay, so this is my, my time out, and I'm going to give you a warning. Jesus did not tell the story of the Good Samaritan in order to make you feel warm and fuzzy inside and to make you feel good. He told the story of the Good Samaritan to mess you up. Okay, I'm warning you. This is not a story that's going to give you a warm, fuzzy feeling on the inside. This is, this is a story that's going to mess you up. You cannot listen to this story and continue your life in the same way. So this is a great story. Time to leave the room. If you're watching online, great time to switch off the computer. Fake internet connection failure, okay? Do, do something, okay? Pinch the baby and leave the room, okay? Fake a cough. Do whatever you need to do, but I need to warn you, this is a good time to get out. I'll look down in my notes. I won't notice. Jesus didn't tell this story to make you feel warm and fuzzy. I've got to warn you. This myth. you're still sitting here. Pastor John, I warned them. Fair warning. Okay, here goes the story. This is the story Jesus tells. Luke, Luke chapter 10 verse 30. Then Jesus answered and said, okay, so who is my neighbor was the question. Jesus answers and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell amongst thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Okay, now you've heard this story before. Nothing new here. But what you miss is what everybody that heard Jesus tell the story immediately understood. See, when Jesus used the words, he said there was a certain man that went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Everybody immediately associated a particular road with that. When I tell you President George Bush Turnpike, you all go, oh, that's that road, okay? You know that road. It's a nice road. It's a broad road. It's an open road, okay? This is not a nice road. It's not a broad road, and it's not an open road, okay? Th- this road was referred to as the ascent of Adumen, okay? Which literally referred to the ascent of blood, okay? The ascent of blood. This was not a good road. This was not a road people like to travel, Also, when people referred to this road, they didn't refer to the road like Jesus just did from Jerusalem to Jericho. They referred to the road from Jericho to Jerusalem. Why is that? Everybody wants to go to Jerusalem, but nobody wants to go to Jericho, okay? Jerusalem was a nice place. It was the place of the temple, the presence of God, Jerusalem, okay? So Jerusalem, the place of peace, that's Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Jericho was completely different. Jericho was not a nice place. Jericho was in a barren land. The, Jericho was in the desert. Jerusalem had a lot of rain at the top of the mountain. Jericho had almost no rain. Jericho was the barren place. And geographically speaking, uh, Jerusalem is right at the top of the hill, about 3,000 feet higher than, than uh, that's the next slide, there we go. So Jerusalem is right there at the top. And about 3,000 feet lower, you find Jericho in the valley. What is Jesus saying? There was a certain man, and he was walking from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was going from up top to down below. He was on his way downhill. Do you guys have that here? He's heading down. He's going down. He's going from a nice place to a bad place. His, his life is in a downward spiral. He's going from a great place to a bad place. He's walking on the road of blood. He's walking through the badlands. And as he's walking through the badlands, the bad things get him. They mess him up. They take his clothes. They beat him up. And they throw him half naked, bleeding at, at the side of the road. Back to the story. As this man is lying there, something happens. And maybe if I could just interject here, maybe you're in a space in your life where it feels as if you're between Jerusalem and Jericho. Maybe this morning you're listening to this word and you're in a space where it feels as your life is in a downward spiral and and you feel beaten up by sin and broken and bruised by the things of this life and exposed and naked on the side of the road, left for dead. Maybe you're in need of a neighbor this morning. Maybe you're saying, you know what, I, 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 I hear what you're saying, Yuri, about making connections, but I need somebody to connect with me. I need, I need somebody to care for me. I, I feel like that man. That took the wrong road. Maybe your finances is on the road between Jerusalem and Jericho. Maybe your marriage is on the road between Jerusalem and Jericho. It's running out. It's running down. So verse 31 in this space, in this spot. It says that as this man was lying there, by chance a certain priest, verse 31, came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at that place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. Now, two things I want you to quickly notice here. The, number, the first thing I want you to notice is that they pass by on the other side of the road, okay? So they, they're intentional about it. The second thing I want you to see is that there's a difference between the priest and the Levite in that the, the Levite comes and it says, and he came and looked and then passed by on the other side. Do you see the difference? So the priest comes by, he sees the man, and then he passes by on the other side. But the Levite says, it says he came and had a look. So there's a difference. But this is what you've got to understand about this road, this is not the George W. Bush uh, turnpike, okay? This is not some massive highway. This is not the I-35 we're talking about here, okay? <laughs> you see that little road on the edge of the cliff there? That's the road we're talking about, okay? So if there's a man that was walking on that particular road, and he was beaten up and stolen from and left for dead on the side of that road, it's a narrow road. On the one side, you've got the rock face, and on the other side, you've got a sheer cliff running down. So for the priest to come, to find the man there, to see the man, and to pass by on the other side, I mean, I mean, that takes a lot of footwork here, to pass by on the other side. You know, watching the fires up the hill. You've got to work to miss the guy lying in the road. It's hard work to pass by on the other side. And yet we all do it. It's hard work to pass by on the other side. It's hard work to look the other way. It's hard work to miss the person at work that's going through that tough season. It's hard work sometimes to stay disconnected at church. I mean, they've got brochures and they've got sign-up booths and they've got all these things happening. It's hard work to pass by on the other side. And yet we go to great effort to pass by on the other side. It's hard work to miss the harvest that the Lord of the harvest has placed in your life. And yet, sometimes we pass by on the other side, not that we have much room, but we go to great effort to pass by on the other side. Have you ever asked yourself why these two guys? If you, if you look at the story, there, there's, there's two different guys, and both of these guys go to the effort, they make the effort to pass by. The, the, the guy that was bleeding and broken and on the side of the road. Have you ever asked why these two? Okay, so what are the two in the story? So we've got these two, we've got the priest and we've got the Levite. Okay, that's the, that's the two individuals in the story here. Why the priest and why the Levite? What, what, what is the deal with the Levite? Why, why do these two, why, why does Jesus use these two people to say that these two guys didn't connect? You see, the original hearers of the story would go, and it came by chance that a priest would come by the road. They would all go, ah, a priest. He works for God. And then Jesus says, a Levite. And they go, ah, a Levite. He works for God. Certainly he will love on the individual. Certainly he will make the connection. See, both these guys work for God, but here's the difference between the two. The priest was the boss, okay? So the priest was the boss man in in the temple, okay? He was the one that called the shots. He was the one that is served by everybody else. He was dressed in a priestly robe, and most likely, as the priest is walking down the road, he sees the man that he's bleeding and broken and stolen from on the side of the road. He sees him, and what does it say? It says he sees him, and he passes by on the other side. Why? Because he's all priestly, I mean, come on, I can't get my hands dirty with this. I'm much better than this. I'll just float along on the side here. See, the priest doesn't help because the priest is better than the situation. The Levite? Well, the Levite's the other way around. See, the Levite's job was to serve in the temple. The Levite was the servant of all. So the Levite comes along, and what does the Bible say? Remember, I asked you to remember two things. The second one was that the Levite came and had a look. So it's not as if the Levite's going, I'm too good for this. The Levite walks up to the bruised and broken man. He has a look, and then he passes by. Why does he have a look and pass by? Because he says, you know what, I'm just a Levite. What can I, how can I help? You see, the reason why these two aren't helping is because helping is below the priest, and it's too difficult for the Levite. It's the same two reasons you aren't helping. It's either below you or too hard for you. It's the same two reasons you aren't connecting. If we're honest with one another, why haven't you connected in the body of Christ? It's one of these two reasons, guys. That's it. Either you've said, listen, you don't understand. My life is real busy. I've got other things going on. I'll just stroll along on the other side. Or you're saying, you know what? It's just too hard. They don't need me. It's pride and inferiority. It is all there is to it. I warned you, this story will mess you up. And the question you need to ask yourself today is simply this. The question isn't, why didn't they help? Why didn't they love? The question isn't, why didn't they neighbor? If you look at the Scripture and you look at the Levites and the priests and the story of the Samaritan, don't look at the story and go, well, why didn't they help? Ask the question, why aren't you helping? Why aren't you loving? Why aren't you caring? Why aren't you connecting? Is it below you? Or are you looking at the challenge and saying, you know what, it's just too great for me. Either you're saying, I don't need them, or you're saying they don't need you. In a little bit, Pastor John's going to challenge you to connect in the church, to become a part of something. And you've got to ask yourself this question. Is if you're not connected, if you're not a part of the body, if you're not bound into the church, there's only one or two reasons. Either you've made up your mind that you don't need them, or you've made up your mind that they don't need you. It's the same two things. But I know, and and look at this with me. Look Look at how Jesus wraps this up. He, he goes in verse 33, and this is what he says. He says, but a certain Samaritan, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he saw him. One of the native languages in South Africa is Zulu, and the greeting in Zulu, the way you say hello in Zulu is you say Sabona, and Sabona is literally translated, it means I see you. He saw him. He saw him differently than the priest and the Levite. Why? Because he had compassion on him. So we went to him. He bandaged his wound, pouring out oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day as he departed, he took out two denarii, or two-day wages, and he gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, When I come again, I will repay you. See, Samaritans, you've heard the story of the good Samaritan. But you've got to understand who Samaritans were in that context. The guys hearing the story, they expected the priest to help. They expected the Levite to help. They did not expect the Samaritan. The Samaritans were a half-breed. They were the people that the, the Jews would joke with. You would be as ugly as a Samaritan or as dumb as a Samaritan. I don't I don't I know you Texans don't joke with any other nations or any other people, but you know, in the rest of the world there are these particular groupings that get joked with. The Samaritans were them for the Jews. So when they said that the Samaritan came and helped, that the Samaritan loved, the Samaritan made the connection, it was the least likely hero of the story. But for the man lying on the side of the road, there was only one person in the story. And that was the Samaritan. The one that loved. The one that made the connection. And then Jesus wraps this up and he says this. He says in verse 36, he says, So which of these Which of these do you think was the neighbor of him who fell amongst the thieves? Which of these three made the connection? Which of these three lived in the power of others? And he said, the lawyer answers, and he says, the one who showed mercy to him. Then Jesus said, go and do likewise. Have you ever heard one of these instructions from Jesus and felt it was just too much? I have such a sense in my spirit that there are individuals this morning listening to this word that feels it's just too much. It's just too much to reach out to someone else in my life. It's just too much to be hurt again. It's just too much to be rejected again. It is just too hard. Can I tell you something about Jesus? This word is not instructional. It's incarnational. It's not instructional. It's incarnational. Jesus is not instructing us to do something that he hasn't done first. It's not an instruction of something we need to go and find somewhere else. It's just that we've got to understand that what he's done to us is what he wants us to do to others. We might live in a disconnected society and you might be in a disconnected place this morning. You might be in a place of loneliness, in a place of brokenness. in a place where you just don't feel you can make the connection, where you just don't feel you make the cut, where you just don't feel you can reach out and once again risk relationship, you might be in a place where you feel broken and bruised like that man on the side of the road. Can I tell you something? When Jesus says you go and do the same, His instruction is exactly what He has done for you because Christ came to be your neighbor. Jesus came to be our neighbor. He was the one that saw us. He saw us and He didn't pass on the other side of the road. He didn't just miss us in our sin and our brokenness. He did leave us where we've been stolen from and where we lied naked and exposed on the side of the road he did not pass on the other side but he saw us he neighbored us he made a connection with us he canceled the distance because distance loneliness is not good and he is good And our God was good to us. He made the connection with us. He is our good Samaritan. He came. Look at verse 34. Verse 34 says that the good Samaritan went and he bandaged his wounds. Can I tell you that Jesus has bandaged your wounds? The Word says that a broken reed, he will not, a bruised reed he will not break. And I want to tell you in your brokenness, in your separation, in your loneliness, He is the one that has come to bandage your wounds this morning. He is the one that is ready to come and bandage your wound. He wants to pour oil and wine on you. He wants to anoint you with oil. He wants to separate you and say you are His. Samaritan set him on his own animal. What on earth is that? Only one reference of Jesus ever getting on an animal. And what he got on was a donkey as he triumphantly rode into Jerusalem. He is the one that wants to come and restore your authority. He is the one that wants to set you up in places. He wants to seat you in heavenly places. He wants to bring you to an end. And he took care of him. Our Jesus will take care of us. And maybe this morning you're in a place where you are in need of a neighbor. You are in need of connection. And the loneliness of this life has grabbed hold of you. And you need to say, Lord, I need a neighbor. While well, Jesus came to be your neighbor. Thank you for listening to this message from North Place Church. Feel free to share it with your friends. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at North Place and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Church. To watch the video of this message, go to northplacechurch.com slash watch.